you have your Bibles, turn in your Bible to John chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible, the scripture is printed in your bulletin. See here, it's printed in your bulletin on page 6. There's a place to take notes. On page 7, we'll also see, pull this up here on the screen. We're going to be looking at John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and then verses 14 through 18. So friends, listen. This is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is God's word. Everybody still have the rocks? Rock in hand. Rock in hand. Okay. Stick with me. These verses, this is the Christmas story in the Gospel of John. This is John's version of the Christmas story. And what's amazing here is how much this version of the Christmas story teaches us. We've talked about this in the recent past, that being a Christian means being a disciple of Jesus. Right? Those are synonymous. To be a Christian means to be a disciple of Jesus. And to be a disciple of Jesus means that you are mentored by Jesus. Okay? You enter into a relationship where Jesus becomes your mentor. And a disciple is a learner, a follower, and a sent one. You're sent by Jesus on a mission. And so you might know the Christmas story already. I mean, most people do. But the more you hear it, the more you think about the reality of the Christmas story, the more it teaches you. Jesus came to earth so that we could learn. Okay, Jesus came to teach us. Look at verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, He was in the beginning with God. You can learn a lot about what someone is like from what comes out of their mouth. Right? You learn a lot about the kind of person someone is by what they say. And in the Bible, God was known by his word. Okay? And the problem was that God was speaking for thousands of years, and yet the world was still broken. We just sang it, right? Long lay the world in sin and error, pining, suffering, grieving, hoping that somehow something could fix what's wrong. I mean, that's us today, right? We still struggle with relationships and with work or lack of work. We struggle with time, with stress, with priorities. There's all kinds of people who struggle with guilt, acceptance, right? Wondering if they're, they feel like they're not good enough. 
And because of all of this, because of the brokenness of the world, we have Christmas. That's why we have Christmas. It's because the world is broken and God cares. Verse 14. And the Word, who was God, became flesh and dwelt among us. God became flesh. This is the miracle of Christmas. And it's beyond a miracle, right? This is the incomprehensible mystery of Christmas. I mean, God became human. God took on human form. In the greatest act of humility, compassion, and sacrificial leadership, God became human. It's so interesting. I was talking to my mom this week, and she... Um, is work, she works for a property management company and they manage the properties for a particular grocery store. And the grocery store has gotten to a point where they have been struggling. They had a, a large opening. They opened a bunch of stores. They opened a bunch more stores. And they were popular. And people were coming. And then all of a sudden, you know, after a while, they realized, you know what, we're still not profitable yet. And so they began to cut back. And then they started losing customers. And they kept trying to cut costs everywhere they could find them. And now they're at a place where they're trying to figure out whether they're going to just fold and go under or if they're going to look to have somebody else buy them. They're basically just going to cut their losses. They're cutting their losses. And I thought about that. I thought, you know what? Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that when God looked down and saw the mess that we made of his world, God didn't cut his losses. He didn't just leave us go. He didn't just forget about us. He didn't destroy us. He took his word to the next level. He took his instruction to the next level. And he came. He came in human form. God, the infinite and eternal became finite and temporal. And he dwelt among us. He dwelt among us. He pitched his tent in our campground. He didn't come the way he deserved. Right? He didn't come in regal authority with pomp and splendor. Man, there was no room in the inn for his mom. Jesus entered into our broken world so that he could save it and renew it. This is the Christmas story. This is the Christmas story. Look at the rest of verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Glory, and there's lots of ways to think about glory. Glory can be defined as what's special about someone. Okay, if you were around Jesus, you knew there was something special about him. You knew that there was something different about Jesus. 
and the summary. What John's Christmas story does is it summarizes what was special about Jesus. And you know what it says? It says that Jesus' glory was that he was full of grace and truth. He was full of grace and truth. And what's interesting to me is that I think this description, like these are actually two ways that the world seems to be broken. We have grace and truth. I think there are people, there are people who are always and only about truth. Right? Do you know people like this? Are you like this? Right? What's right is right, what's wrong is wrong, and I'm going to not stop talking to you until you agree with me. This is part of what's broken with the world. Right? Think about it. You know, these are people who tend to not care about people or the situation because, come on, truth is truth. Situation doesn't matter. People involved don't matter. Come on. Truth is truth. And they might go on about morality. They might go on about culture. They might go on about politics. They might go on about Coke or Pepsi. It doesn't matter. They have an opinion, and they're going to tell you about their opinion until you agree with them. Okay? It's almost like these people have a rock in their shoe. saying. Now, on the other hand, there are also people who are all about grace, right? Who are always and only about grace. You know, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter how you believe. It doesn't matter how you live. Everyone is in. Everyone is okay. Everyone is right. We're all right. We just have different shades of the truth. We're all right. We all have a piece of what's right. It doesn't matter. And so these people, they don't argue with you when you disagree. Um, what these people do is they tend to sigh. Oh. They look at their friends and kind of roll their eyes. And then condescendingly, they'll say something like, well, you know what? That's good for you. That's good for you. I'm glad that works for you. Do you know people like this? Are you like this? I feel like sometimes, sometimes, these folks have a rock in their mouth. And it can tend to keep them from saying things that need to be said. And now as I've thought about this, religion doesn't help this problem. Okay? Religion doesn't make this any better. Um, religion, the religious version of these problems, they're actually kind of even worse because they make God out to be some kind of a spiritual Rush Limbaugh or Michael Moore. You know, you've got religious truth, okay? The religious version of this, on the truth side, there are religions and there are some Christian churches that are guilty of this, where it's like no one is accepted. Everyone is opposed. There's something wrong with everybody, and no one is good enough. 
Okay, these folks focus on truth, and then they use their convictions as a weapon against people who disagree with them. Do you know folks like this? Are you someone like this? What this does, this breeds self-righteousness, it breeds intolerance. Um, and then, on the grace side, the religious grace side, you have religions and, again, some Christian churches where everything is accepted, right? Where nothing is opposed. And, and the challenge with this is that in this version, God, however you conceive of them, or, or it, or her, God is sort of appears as like a, a weak, hand-wringing parent, you know, like, who's really concerned but isn't willing to do anything about it or can't do anything about it. He's just sort of hoping that you'll figure it out and that you'll change. But even if you don't, that's cool. It's no big deal. Right? This, what this does is this actually enables people to stay in their sin. This enables people to abuse God's grace. But what does the Bible teach us about Christmas? The Bible says that we have seen the glory of Jesus in verse 14. Verse 14, we have seen his glory full of grace and truth. Right? In Jesus, the miracle of Christmas is that in this one person, we see grace and truth come together. Jesus is full of grace and truth. This is big. This is different. This is different. Jesus is different. Because when you combine yellow and blue, you don't have yellow and blue anymore. Okay? You have green. Green is not blue. Green is not yellow. Green is different from blue and yellow. But with Jesus, Jesus isn't sometimes this way, and then other times this way, okay? Like super gracious until you screw up and then you get Jesus in the blue side. That's not what Jesus is like. Jesus is full of grace and truth. Are you with me? He's full of grace and truth. When God comes to earth, it changes everything. And so what happens is that when Jesus comes, he fills the world with gracious truth and truthful grace. Gracious truth and truthful grace. Okay, let's talk about that. What is truthful grace? Truthful grace is the reality is the reality. We're talking about God because Jesus reveals who God is. Okay? So truthful grace means that God cares and he forgives people. Okay? God cares. So think about this. Have you ever felt like, man, where is God? Like God must not care about me. If he did care about me, I wouldn't be going through this. If you're in that place, if you're struggling in that place, 
can I just remind you of the story of Christmas? The word became flesh. Jesus came and pitched his tent in your backyard. He came to this earth because God cares. Because God forgives. This kind of truthful grace, it gives us hope. This kind of truthful grace, this is God's favor. God loves the world. Loves it so much that he gave his son. Loves it so much that he gave his son. And so we can have favor with God. We have favor from God. It's God's approval. God forgives you. God accepts you. God understands you. He really does understand what it's like to be mistreated. He understands what it's like to be in a situation where people are saying stuff about you that's just not true. He understands what it's like to be misrepresented. He understands what it's like um, to not know which way is up. Right? To be so entrenched in a broken situation that you don't know what to do. Hold on to your rocks. Although that may have been someone who just exchanged their rock for something better. Here's what's powerful about God's truthful grace is that every time we receive God's truthful grace, it actually leads us to trust his gracious truth. Right? How in the world could you possibly expect me to obey this? Man, this was written 2,000 years ago. Some of it was written even longer ago than that. And you want me to submit to this? You want me to put myself underneath the authority of this book? Why would I do that? Well, the best argument is Christmas. The best argument is understanding God's truthful grace. God loved the world so much that he entered into it. And every time you receive his grace, it's amazing in these verses, right? The word grace comes up over and over again. He's full of grace and truth in verse 14, right? Then verse 16, from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Verse 17, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Every time we receive God's grace, let that enable you to trust his truth. So let's talk about that. God's gracious truth. Okay, it's not truth as opposed to grace. It's graceful truth. It's gracious truth. And so in God's gracious truth, so in his truthful grace, he cares and forgives people. In his gracious truth, God heals and restores lives and relationships. Isn't this true? Haven't you found this to be true? That when you read God's word, when God's word is brought to bear in your heart, when you put God's word into, your, into practice in your life, man, don't you experience healing? This is how it works. You understand the truth, you put it into practice, and things begin to change. Your heart begins to change, your attitude begins to change, your relationships begin to change. And this is what God's truth does. It reminds us it gives us life. God knows everything. 
God knows everything, and he doesn't lie. And so everything that he has said, it's truth that we can take to the bank. It's truth that we can learn and then follow. And when we do that, it heals us. It heals us. God's truth reveals his mind and heart. We get to know him better. We learn what he thinks, how he feels. We learn the things that he does and doesn't do. Right? And all these things lead us into a deeper relationship with God. Right? Learning about God leads us to know him better. And I would say, just as every, every bit of God's grace leads us to trust his truth, every bit of God's truth invites us to experience his grace. Okay, because every time you hear God's truth, if you're like me, you may be able to find areas of your life where you're not obeying that truth. Right? But Jesus is full of grace and truth. And so when you fail to live up to God's truth, the truth itself invites you back to experience God's grace. Because every time you fail, Jesus died for your sin. And so God's truth then leads us back to understand his grace. I was a character witness in a trial this week. Never done that before. And uh, the night before the trial, I was talking to the public defender because he was helping me to know what to expect on the witness stand, which I was really thankful for because, you know, you watch stuff on TV and you freak out because what's the, <laughs> what's the cross-examination going to be like? You know, what are they going to make me say? What are they going to try to get me to say? And as we were talking, at one point he just thanked me. He said, thank you for being willing to do this. This is really going to be a help. And I said to him, no, man, I really appreciate you and what you're doing. Kind of pause, and I, say, and I said, you know what, it's interesting, because there's so many people who want to give back, right? They want to serve the community, and so they'll go and they'll feed the homeless, or they'll help the poor in some way, or they'll, they'll, they'll jump into a shelter and serve and volunteer. But what you do for a living is serving the community. It is serving the community. I said, you give people who can't afford it a chance at a fair trial. Public defender. He was kind of taken aback. I mean, nobody, I don't think anybody ever affirmed him or his work like that before. And so I went on. I said, you know what? In fact, I think that what you're doing is actually a picture of what God does. And one of the reasons I'm willing to do this is because of what God has done for me. I said to him, I said, I've been, in my case, we're going to look at my case, spiritually speaking. I've been caught and arrested because of my many sins. My many sins. And when the evidence comes in, I am guilty. I am guilty. But here's the miracle of Christmas, I told him. Here's the miracle of Christmas. God has come in Jesus to be my public defender. He's come to defend me. And Jesus pleads for grace. Not because, not because he's going to avoid the truth. Not because he's going to spin the truth. Jesus is fully honest about my guilt. But Jesus pleads for grace because he was willing to take the sentence that I deserve. 
And I told him, I said, because of Jesus' sacrifice for my sins, I'm acquitted and I'm forgiven. Friends, that's truth and extravagant grace. That's the gospel. Christmas leads us to the gospel. Grace and truth meet at the cross of Jesus. This is where God is completely and totally honest about your sin. But he's also completely and totally extravagant about his grace. If you trust Jesus' death to pay for your sins, then you've begun to learn from Christmas. You've begun to understand what Christmas really is. What's amazing, though, is that this truthful grace and this gracious truth, it doesn't end there. Right? Jesus' gracious truth continues to teach us. Okay? It continues to confront us. If you read the Bible, and I hope you all do, if you read the Bible, man, there's things in there that put us in our place. There's truths in there that expose things in our hearts, in our lives, the things that we do, the things that we think, the things that we feel, right? But it also continues to invite us to follow Jesus. And we should expect this, right? Jesus is God, right? Remember, he knows what's best, and he's God. And we have to remember that, that he is God. Not like us. I mean, if it weren't for his grace, none of us could stand in his presence, I mean, we don't deserve anything from God, right? So often we hear about his grace and his forgiveness and we just abuse it. We act like God is the sort of hand-wringing parent who can't really do anything about anything, right? And so, but, no, God's word, it confronts us. It gets into our lives, and it should, because God is our authority. But, but here's what's different. Here's what's different. The person who's confronting you is the person who was your public defender just a few minutes ago or just a few years ago, right? Who continues. The Bible says that Jesus stands daily in the presence of God interceding for us. So he doesn't just defend you once. He defends you over and over and over again, right? And you remember the prodigal son, right? The prodigal son who left his father took all his wealth, abused the heck out of God's grace, abused the heck out of his father's grace, and went off and did his own thing. But when he came back, when he came back, the father went running down the road to embrace him. And so, it's our defender. It's the one who loves us. The one who has saved us already who confronts us with the truth. So gracious truth is never truth without grace, right? Gracious truth is that when Jesus, when Jesus gets into your kitchen, when he says, you know what, this is not best for you, or this does not honor me, you have to realize he's not saying that because you have fallen out of favor with him and you have to earn your way back in. And he has already taken your sentence. And so his con confrontation is done in love. It's done to bring you back. 
It's done to put you actually in the absolute best life you could possibly live. That's his promise. It's not the easiest life, but it's the best one. It's the most fulfilling. It's the most significant. It's the one where you end up making the biggest difference in renewing God's world. That's exciting. That's exciting. And that helps us to know that we can continue to learn from Christmas for our entire lives. Because the truth that comes from Jesus is gracious truth. I found this quote from Dostoevsky, Fyodor Dostoevsky from the, brother, the brothers Karamazov. Listen to this. At the sight of human sin, one wonders whether to combat it by force or by humble love. Right? What do you do about human sin? What do you do about the brokenness of the world? Do you combat it by force or by humble love? He says, always decide. I will combat it by humble love. If you resolve on that once and for all, you can conquer the whole world. Loving humility is an incredible force. It is the strongest of all things, and there is nothing else like it. Proof that he's right? The cross of Jesus. Humble love. Humble love that gives its, his own life so that you could be forgiven. offers his life so that you could have, he could receive gracious truth. Truthful grace. So what do we do with this? First, you've got to receive it. And have you received his grace and truth? Have you received Jesus' grace and truth? You have to understand this is who God is. Right? Jesus, the word became flesh, dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So it wasn't just that the word came and taught, but the word came and was with us. Right? It's not just a teaching, it's a person. And it's not just any person, but it's God. It's God who comes with his grace and truth. And receive it. Trust that Jesus, his death was for you, and commit to following him. Because he does, as God, he says, you need to do something about this. You need to commit to me. You need to follow me. what he says. He says, you need to follow me. You need to, you need to live as though I am your God. I am your authority. And the joy is, Jesus says, and if you commit to me, man, I commit to you. I commit to you. Man, that's grace. That's grace. He doesn't ask for anything but that we would trust him. And so I want you to receive his grace today. And then, the second thing, once you experience it, once you receive his truth and grace, 
His grace is truth, his truthful grace. Once you receive that, then share it with others. Share it with others. If you haven't experienced it, then you get a pass. I don't want you to do anything. Until you can receive his grace and truth, you don't have to do anything. But once you have received it, once you have received it, share it with others. Jesus gives you this grace and truth because he loves you. And you know what else? Jesus loves other people that you know. And Jesus wants them to experience his grace and truth. Okay? You have friends, family members, coworkers, colleagues, neighbors, right, who need to experience this from Jesus. And Jesus wants to show them this through you. Through you. So when I think about the people in my life, both the Christians and also the non-Christians, I want them to experience this from Jesus. So how can I show that to them? For some of my friends, um, this cup for them is almost completely blue. And I actually need to overemphasize the grace of God. Does that make sense? Because they're so imbalanced. They think God is angry with them. They think God is mad at them. They think God is going to crush them. Right? They feel like that's what church is. And so I try to help them by pouring more and more of the grace into their life to try to turn this green. And then I have other friends whose this is very, very yellow. And they live as though what they do doesn't matter. And so with those friends, I mean, again, you got to be careful, right? I mean, we're trying, I mean, in some ways, maybe just give them green just all the time because it'll end up balancing it out, you know. But maybe you pray. But you understand what I'm talking about, right? Where people are on a spectrum of one side or the other. We want to bring them so that they can understand that Jesus is grace and truth. This is what Jesus wants to do in the people you know through you. This is what it means to be a disciple. Like part of Jesus' discipleship process is that he's got people in your life, in your life, that he wants to touch, that he wants to know, and he wants you to introduce him to them. I think the imbalance that we face, the imbalance is, is the rock in our lives. And it destroys us. It destroys our relationship with God. Because if we shift one way or the other, like God doesn't, it's not God anymore. It's not Jesus. But it also destroys relationships we have with other people. Right? When you get into arguments with your spouse in a relationship at work, right? Which of these two are you? Right? When we don't have this balance, it destroys our relationships. Would you give up your rock? If your rock is the fact that you are too blue or too yellow, or both at different times, would you be willing to give this up? Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we are amazed, utterly amazed at who you are. And we confess, Lord, that we have been 
all over the spectrum. We want to come now to you and, and give up our rocks. We want to confess our sins. We want to exchange this rock for your grace. Your grace that forgives us and points out that truthful grace. That gracious truth. Lord, you know exactly what we're like. You know exactly what goes on inside of us and what comes out of us. Our words, our actions, our thoughts. Father, would you help us to give you our rock, to give you the rock of our sin, and to receive Jesus, full of grace and truth. Point out the areas of our lives, Lord. Point out the relationships where we need your balance. And help us to know how, how this week we can experience Christmas because we've experienced and shared your grace and your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, I want to invite you now to come to the Lord's table because what I want you to do is I want you to come and I want you to exchange your rock for Christmas. I want you to come. I want you to bring your rock and I want you to drop it here. Our whole church family, we can come forward, we come down the aisle, and I want you to give up your rock and exchange your rock for Christmas. Because here we see the fullness of God's grace and truth. Here we see the fullness of his grace and truth. His body, his blood. He lived perfectly for us. Right? He lived perfectly for us. In an act of, gra of, of grace, he died for our sins. To show his grace. And he also brings the truth of our lives to heart. He shows us where we're wrong. He shows us where we're sinning. Right? Not to condemn us, but to save us. So I want to invite you to come. To come, and as you come forward, to leave your rock here and to receive the grace and truth of Jesus. If you're not ready to do that, you have a few options. If you're not ready to do that, you can just drop your rock off somewhere before you leave. Um, I'd encourage you to take it with you. Take it with you and bring it back next week. Because we're going to do this again. Different message, different sense of a rock, but a different area that where we need to exchange our rocks for Christmas. And so if you're not ready to give up your rock now, bring it back next week. Bring it back next week, and we're going to take another step to understand more of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. But my hope and my prayer 
All you need to do is say, you know what, Lord, I believe. I'm going to follow you. You can do that. You can trust Jesus and his death for your sin and come forward. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God to bless this meal to us. So pray with me. Father, take this bread, this wine and juice, and help us to see that it is the grace and truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to understand that your grace was poured out on the cross and your truth also comes not just to point out the areas of our sin, but Lord, your truth comes and fills our hearts. The perfect life of Jesus fills us so that we can change from the inside out. Lord, we give up our sin. We give up our imbalance so that we can receive we can receive you. Fill us with grace and truth, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. I want you to do this and remember me. Then he took the cup said, this cup, this is the new covenant in my blood. My blood will be shed for you so that gracious truth can win. Drink, all of you, from it. Brothers and sisters, as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim his death. We proclaim the victory of God over sin, over selfishness. Come, come, taste and see that the Lord is good, that he is gracious, and he is truth.